Welcome to the Empyrean Path. I am your new host, Lydia Spiroslavsky, and joining me today is Emily Russo, poet, essayist, and author of Confetti, which was published by Hyperidian Press in September of last year. By turns cinematic, cosmic, alchemical, and geometric, Confetti uses language to alter the boundaries between film and daily life. Rob McLennan describes it as a collage accumulation of lyric, prose, and fragment, and Manuel Marrero likens it to a fallen world, a hell on paper from which purgatory may be viewed. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to have Emily kick off the episode with a reading from uh, Confetti. She'll be reading a poem called Before Visitation. That light swells, tongue, spleen, confectionery nausea, crushing frosted flakes on the kitchen floor, calico cat on purple blanket and record player, prostrate angel calendar, Away from that sun, a gold locket dangles high above the dishwater. In weekend, Hermes' handbag on fire, uprooted cord of the varnished world, faux fur coat with gold clasps. Some people will walk through that door any minute now, apple skin on counter curls into paused soda water. So for starters, I'm, let me close my window. Sirens outside. All right. So for starters, I'm curious about the origin story of Confetti. Um, When and where did this collection start emerging and what were you thinking about at the time? The origin story. Oh, man. Origins are always so freaky. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. And um, I don't know that anyone's really asked me that. But I think it emerged. It certainly emerged really gradually. Like with my other books, I had more of a a sense that I was writing a book um, and what the kind of overarching concept would be. But with this one, it started out as sort of discrete poems that I was writing like sort of around my life. And then I realized that they had some recurring themes. Uh, And so I probably was working on it like five years on and off, like in in spurts. Um, And I was in I mean, a lot of the places I was in are like mentioned in Confetti. I was in New York and Pennsylvania and LA and um, many dream spaces. So then like part of the work was just this gradual like accretion of poems. And then the other part of the work was orchestrating it and like finding a form for it and an order, which took maybe just as long you know okay interesting yeah because a lot of the work is concerned with seems to be concerned with form and framing and the relationship between subject matter and its container and uh there are a number of diagrams scattered throughout confetti that 
depicts the layout and lighting of moments pulled from films like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Hellraiser 2. Um, so can you tell me about the relationship between those diagrams and the work itself, how you framed it? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say the diagrams are maybe, maybe could be read as poems too, um, and are part of the work itself or or whatever, but, uh, they, it started more as like, I, I, as part of the sort of framing or ordering process and you're totally right that a lot of confetti is concerned with like I guess so-called content or uh whatever words and their containers or the containers that words are or are not and how they leak um but the diagrams came to be because I realized that I was orchestrating the sections around film, like different films. And like, you needn't have seen the movies to read confetti. I mean, at all, you don't even need to know anything about the diagrams or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or any of the movies I mentioned. But um, I I didn't, I realized I didn't want to put just like images or screen grabs, which is what I was sort of referring to. I was referring to a lot of like paused moments in film. which I guess is another thing, confetti is into um, movement and the suspension of movement or freeze frames. Um, But I didn't want to just put in images and so much of the book is interested in like geometry and the kind of like maybe formal violence that geometry or diagrams or like getting at some essence can enact, but also the like divine potential in that, um, like revealing something that wasn't there before or stripping something down. So then I started to like kind of draw, quote unquote, these or write or whatever, these diagrams, which which were are sort of based on moments in film, like, like some of them more directly, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre moment of, of Leatherface flinging the chainsaw um is represented as a diagram in the beginning which i guess we could also think of as like a i don't know like a tarot card or a screen grab or something just to kind of orient or read but now i'm realizing it sounds they they sound kind of batshit but they're i don't know they're sort of perplexing but i also think of them as funny yeah, well, does that you, answer your question at all? Yeah, it it ties into another question I had about the theme of violence in confetti. You ascribe like a certain violence to the nature of light and geometry, it's even using verbs like light cutting and slamming and getting thrown up. Um, And similarly, in one poem, you describe the camera as a machine for pulverizing time, which I really like. Uh, So what in your mind is this relationship between violence and viewing and aggression and perceiving? Um, Yeah, well, you're absolutely right about the the, violence of light thing i was thinking exactly about that or or i guess we could say like one way of thinking about violence would be not even just violence because i see the book as being as like sort of 
concerned with both poles, like sort of we could say violence or horror, and on the other end of the spectrum, something like bliss or love. You know, there's like an I and a you, and there's a relationship that plays out, sort of. Sure. Um, and confetti, I guess, it's. I'm, I'm sort of going to answer this in like a really spir- spiralic way. So hopefully I'll like get back to what I'm talking about at some point. But confetti, the title is taken from um, something this artist, Joelle Tourlink, said about um, her installations, which use confetti. She says that she uses confetti, or she said at one point in an interview that she uses confetti to activate the between spaces Mm. to do something like cinema in space which was such an amazing idea or weird thing it's just a weird thing to say (laughs) and so like obviously I mean we're so into like the betweens now or like the liminal states Mm -hmm. but we need to know the extremes or the two poles in order to understand what a between space might be so um I think part of what what I only realized in retrospect I was doing and then I kind of oriented the book formally around these questions but I I was really concerned with those two like finding those two poles you know or like noting instances of those occurrences of horror say in like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or even the horror of like too much light like too many screens too much information or not enough light too dark can't make out forms things blend together so this kind of form formal violence or horror and then the other extreme being something like love or happiness or comfort or like the sort of goodnesses that happen when we merge with someone or, or something and so um there's those two extremes and then there's like the betweens or like we like the spectrum of emotion but also the spectrum of light so I guess I mean and yeah a lot of the diagrams are oriented around they're kind of like I don't know we I guess I, I was I partly have been thinking about them as like almost like star charts or we could see them astrologically or astronomically because they're like kind of mapping light or moments of light in these in these movies yeah now I'm forgetting did I like answer that at all no definitely yeah I like I like where you took that because that was another thing I was thinking about um something that you nod to indirectly and directly is the kind of echo between the technological production of visuals and the, the organic design of the natural worlds, like the moon as the screen. Um, and in addition to writing, I notice you also offer astrology and tarot readings. So it, um, it seems that you've identified a relationship between art and astrology and astronomy and it's something that you actively think about um so I was just hoping to hear more about your thoughts on that yeah good question um oh yeah and I, now I just had like a, a 
a memory of a moment ago when you you said that I talk about the camera in a poem as like a machine for pulverizing time or something. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I do think that there's like a certain violence of the uh, that has to do with the creation of images, like the gnarly stuff that happens just alchemically, technically, whatever, in order to make an image. Uh, I talked, you, it's funny, you said in your little intro to me that I'm like a, an essayist, which seems like such a serious term, but I guess I kind of, I guess I do write essays. I didn't but, know if you um, wanted to be identified as an art critic, essayist. I don't care, yeah, it's my, I like, have no, <laughs> yeah. no preference at all, but it just like occurred to me that, because I'm about to like reference the fucking essay that I wrote, but um where like I, I think one movie that does this thing really well um, with kind of showing the violence or the horror of the creation of images is uh, Blonde, which is that movie about Marilyn Monroe that came out like last year. And I wrote an essay about this this exact thing. So I think I'm actually kind of, now that you mention it, rather obsessed with like the gritty, weird processes of making images and how those those um like technical problems can be kind of both magical and somehow I don't know I guess we could say dehumanizing or or you know they can kind of like reinstate our humanity and sensation or take them away in interesting ways um so that's that uh and then confetti does this or maybe does this to um astrology is a language of light it like that's really you know what it is even though we think of it as other things now but it's just a way of reading um the planets and their lines of sight to each other and their relationship to the sun and the moon and and how we may or may not um be in conversation with those planets which are lights that are moving so I mean for me it's just there's a natural analog in film um because it's there it's also wheeling and dealing and moving images and um we could I guess see the astrological chart as a kind of freeze frame in a very very long (laughs) um movie or if that doesn't sound too cheesy um and so there's that and then there's also just that it's a language of association. So I think it's really fruitful to connect, like, you know, these planets or I guess tarot cards or whatever we're divining with, with creative practices here on earth and like make conversations between them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I work with, in my astrology practice, I work with mostly or, or a lot of artists on on projects taking it back to the formatting of confetti there are several reoccurring titles um so titles like pile love flies and gold and honey and tea come up repeatedly there's like a doubling or a tripling effect that is is almost kind of like confetti itself in that way. Um, so I was thinking or wondering what does it mean to you to frame 
two or three or four different poems with the same title, especially when we're thinking about containment and containment by a title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, an interesting question. Um, I mean, to me, it means that those poems are, that the poems that are named the same thing are um, based in kind of automatic conversation with each other uh, and resonance. So they can like hang together in some way. Um, And I think there's also an element of it for me that has to do with, yeah, I mean, this, this like emit this freaky, uncanny creation of images and repetition of uh, titles or words. There's a lot of the same words getting used in different ways in confetti. And um, I, I guess we could think of that as like, proliferation but also as deletion you know there's a way that like naming a poem the same thing especially when it's like a kind of generic or really huge thing like love or um sunset uh kind of deletes it does some some deletion or um or something and it's funny because when i was writing confetti I was like really excited to be writing poems with titles because my other books don't really, they're more like long poems without titles or they have numbers or something. Um, And then I was like, just naming them really boring things on purpose. And I was like, ugh. It's kind of cool because it lends the titles, both the titles and some of the lines in your work really lend themselves really well to free association. So like whatever Oh that's cool too. <laughs> yeah, like whatever your association with love or flies is just immediately colors <laughs> how you read the poem. Right. Which are likely a lot of associations. They're big containers. Yeah. Yeah, massive containers. <laughs> um and confetti is the first in a series of books of poetry on cinema and mysticism that you have in the works. Um, So I'm wondering if you can talk about the next book in the series at all at this point, which is going to be released, is it later this year or next year? Yeah, this year, soon. Yeah. Um, No, it's top secret. No, yes, I'd like to talk (laughs) about it. Um, Yeah, I, it's... uh, um, I think I'm just, I must be just obsessed with this topic, I guess, like sort of movies and mystical encounters or whatever, uh, and light, because yeah, the next book is called Magenta, and it'll be out, I think, I don't know, maybe like the summer. Um, And it, I guess it, I mean, somewhat in that, in the um, review that you cited, I like that, that quote about confetti being like, hell that you can like maybe see purgatory from or whatever that Manuel wrote um so I do think of confetti as like a bit hellish in some ways um and I guess I I've been thinking about this sounds like pretentious but I guess I've been thinking about magenta this other book as being more like purgatory 
I mean, it like t- talks about purgatory and references Dante's uh, Purgatorio, but also there's a a lot of climbing in it, which is basically mm. what purgatory, what we do in purgatory and on Earth. Um, we just like climb all day, and um, so I think there's that element, and also there's just overlaps because I also talk about a lot of movies and blah blah blah, um, and. There's, although I guess maybe Magenta's like more concerned with color than, than confetti is. Uh, there's, there's more color. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's like continuing this, this conversation of like various formal elements of movies and freaky ways of thinking about light. Okay. I mean, I guess one way to think about like, mystical encounter would be like being too close to or maybe not too close but so close to we could say like the light of blank whatever you know god or the sun or whatever the bulb uh so close that you are like dazzled and can't see it so um or or can see it in a way but not with your eyes and then the problem is I'm very interested in this problem, the problem of like then having to come back from an ecstatic, maybe semi-horrific state and talk about it or write about it and like what that language might sound like. Mm. So we've we've been mentioning Manuel Marrero's review. Um, He... Full review, trippy. Yeah, so Manuel Marrero is the editor-in-chief of Expat Press, and he recently wrote a pretty wicked review on Confetti for The Last Estate. Um, So I'm going to cite his review again, which will kind of lead us into our our next section here. Um, He wrote... What a reader internalizes is what falls on the paper in the wake of tracing light and shadow, the detritus from a breadth of verbal and spatial collisions. So if if we're thinking about confetti um, and its lines as forms of detritus of sorts, uh, Emily and I are going to sift through some of that now. Um, (laughs) So... Confetti is divided into seven sections, and uh, I picked out two lines or series of lines uh, that caught my attention. Um, so I'm just going to read through them, and then I'll turn it over to Emily to to break them down into further detail. So the first uh, the first few lines are pulled from one of the poems titled Honey and Tea from the first section titled Light. That we think the sun dumb because it can make us so is part of our predicament. You begin in lead, you end in lead. One hand flutters and the other holds heavy metal. Honey and Tea, yeah, it's the opening sequence of the poem, of the, sorry, of the book. It's the opening sequence of the book and, um, sort of um i guess introducing a lot of the themes that will occur uh so there's this sort of like alchemical strain running through it and so you begin in lead you end in lead has to do with what the alchemist said that the world and the work uh begins in which is this 
the heaviest metal, lead, um, which is also kind of like a primordial chaos from mm. which all the other metals, including, you know, gold can be found. Um, and then there's this, there's this sort of theme of melting, I guess, going on in honey and tea. I mean, obviously right. you can think about what he does in tea. Um, and so I think of this as the kind of important line. I'm glad you picked it. Like one hand flutters, the other, the other holds heavy metal. Um, because there, I think these are, these are two poles. There's, there are like many poles that Confetti is talking about and the sort of heaviness of like the material world or certain emotions or, or whatever. And also the lightness of something like, I don't know, fluttering or, yeah. uh, the digital ether sure. happens too. The, uh... The next section I picked is from another poem titled Honey and Tea that comes a little bit later. Uh, to identify with the disintegration, to eat what's lit up, to abstain, to use the wide white screen as a frame, a, a container in which to find romance and static, to decline gracefully, to stir a virtue, metallic and gelatinous. I really like the first line there to identify with the disintegration that that immediately caught my eye. Um, thanks. Yeah, I mean, just more more torpedoing. I think of this as a kind of like torpedo or swirling honey, kind of gathering up momentum as it disappears. Um, a, a kind of freaky material sunset and. This is also inspired by um, my friend Carter Tanton has a pillar song called Honey and Tea. And it's just, he makes a synthesizer somehow, you know, sound like honey melting in tea. So I wrote this poem while I was looping that. Oh, cool. Song. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to <laughs> check that out. <laughs> um, so the second section is titled Film. And these next two lines are pulled from a poem called Sunset. Eating and looking, eating and looking, to have one's cake and eat it too. Excruciatingly identical rotten instrument. The spoilage I start with. Um, yeah, that's eating and looking other other poles running through the book um the close sense of eating and the far away one or the um i guess what was once called like the intellectual sense of sight so they're in relationship lots of food lots of light um simone Vey, who's like a figure kind of guide throughout the book uh said at one point there's only one fault, the incapacity to feed upon light, which I find to be a really curious um, sentence, yeah. be in part because it brings together um, eating and looking. Um, and then, yeah, another it's like sunset and alchemy, I guess. It's, you know, there's some amount of ruin present. Yeah. Uh, this detritus. I guess there's like this sense of 
one has to kill the king or ruin something in order to find something like rebirth or uh, there's like a sense of sorting through the detritus or the or the shit or the leftovers yeah yeah degeneration and regeneration Um, yeah all that stuff all that cosmic shit all that cosmic shit all that cyclical shit (laughs) uh so this poem is called the clowns one ring of light remain hovering the word nothing a membrane which expends what energy ornaments earlier lavish animal lights another paper hither spins neither prophecy nor theory no idea whether or not i'm like butchering these pauses because i'm i never read poetry aloud so sorry if i'm really (laughs) (laughs) i'm just leaning in. you're doing great thanks (laughs) just lean it yeah no it's it's good um that's funny yeah um the clowns is a this poem's kind of named after um or it's thinking about or something doing something with uh Bellini's movie called The Clowns, uh, which is like this strange documentary. Have you seen it? No. Oh, it's like, I don't think, I don't think one of the more sort of, you know, canonical or popular Bellini movies, but it's like him and his crew kind of searching for clowns in Paris. Um, And so confetti... I mean, yeah, there's, like, obviously confetti is a celebratory material, generally. Um, and so there's a kind of circusy thing uh, during, in this particular section, I guess, of the, of the book. Um, there's this moment in that movie where the stage is totally empty and there's just, like, that ring of circus light on uh, illuminating you know no one yeah but i think that's what i was doing talking about (laughs) yeah but who knows i like that all right so the third section in confetti is titled theorem and uh this line is from a poem called beauty to eat or not to eat beauty a dot which is a planet heaves more eating more, <laughs> more eating, eating and heaving. More beauty. Yeah, I mean, eating things that may or may not be edible. Um, I like this. This is like a tour of. It's like a very, very generous tour of confetti. Um, uh, yeah, this section's called theorem. It's named after Pasolini's movie Teorema, which he calls a mysterious theorem, mm. like where the angel arrives or maybe Angel arrives and fucks everyone's life up, um, maybe for the better. <clears throat> but um, there's a bit of a scary element to it as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's a, I, I think of the word suspension with this one, like to eat or not eat. Beauty. I think there's a lot of suspension in the book, like suspense is in like, oh my god I'm watching a horror movie what's gonna happen and also suspense as in like the the pause of desire or something like that sure or acrobats too now I'm just free associating oh yeah yeah there it is <laughs> uh second poem titled figure 
a machine for making units whose suddenly ecstatic syntax spills a mysterious theorem, a method of exhaustion, horizon unglued. Yeah, things things are coming apart, apparently. Um, there's a lot of coming apart and, and getting pieced back together, I guess, in this book. Uh, so it seems from, these li- from the lines you're reading anyway. Um, poem, I guess like, po- you know, poem as apparatus, poem as film projector. Do you remember where you, like when you hear these lines, do you remember where you were or <laughs> like what what your That's life really looked like question. when you were writing them like is it wouldn't wouldn't it be cool if i did um i'm very like <laughs> no not really although although there's there are some weird moments that stick like um like honey and tea i remember yeah. where i was because i wrote it in like one like cascading shitstorm uh so I remember that very well in that day in the summer but then so I think like when there are ma- like sometimes magic happens you know but most times it's just like regular life yeah but also if it's just moving moving through you quickly as you're writing it probably would make sense that there's no super strong association with like anyone time and place i guess mm. yeah especially if it's I'll, written I'll, over like, a period of five years <laughs> right i yeah. know and i'm like i'm old now and my memory is going no um because <laughs> yeah i mean that's true and also but it's actually very interesting now that you mention it because i hadn't even been like when you're reading these lines i hadn't even been sort of attempting to remember but i'll i'll call out if something comes to me okay i wonder if people give a shit <laughs> i'm invested I, <laughs> I you're really be. you're really curious. <laughs> um so the next section here is called silver and uh this is from your poem called between and it's just carnality carnality confetti oh yeah why did you choose this one this was an interesting choice um I'm just now I'm flipping it. It's like you don't have to answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I liked it. They were two words I would never think to put next to each other: carnality and confetti. But when they are put mm. next to each other, you can actually start to make sense of it if you start thinking about like carnality and uh, yeah, violence, tearing things apart, uh, yeah. the breakdown of things decay yeah there's i'm looking at it in the book now it's um yeah it's sort of in the middle of the book it's in the between part of the book and it's like these little it's like a long poem but all the words are up top so carnality carnality confetti they're all like sort of in the top left corner and then later in the book there's there are um these little sort of kind of poems or pages but the words are all on the bottom so there's a certain amount of like like moving from top to uh, bottom yeah. I guess or the way that words hover or um or sink or, or whatever get sure. light or or heavy and yeah I mean all, confetti was originally like edible you know um it was it was a 
like like they were I think they threw like plums or something like sweet fruit Mm, yeah so this next poem is titled silver process you congeal into delusion an image smeared across the air set to suck us that's not a road it's many silver sequins that's not a steel mill it's silver salt suspended in gelatin yeah I think that was like one of the one of the first sections I realized I wanted to pick out and talk to you about yeah um again it's sort of machines for pulverizing time or whatever um old school processes for making images um the kind of quote unquote thing in itself versus its image I guess this one this this poem silver process kind of um whirls together a lot of different glimmering things um Mm -hmm. modes of travel like airplanes and trains but also like kind of raw materials for making art or images in general like gelatin and salt also there's like table saws in this poem and canvases and staple guns and a defunct steel mill that i grew up near um so i don't remember where i was when i wrote this but i it was like a lot of um different places in my life or images that I was coming into contact with like famous images um also a few romances running through silver process so there's like the speaker and then there's also Dora Mar and Picasso's relationship Dora Mar was a photographer and um she has these like incredible photographs of of like fake eyes uh, that I'm sort of referencing in here, but she also documented Picasso's, um, like uh, via photograph, she documented his painting process of Guernica, which is like a obviously oh, wow, rather yeah. famous painting. Um, and I guess, you know, there's a lot of like lunacy in this section, in this silver section. Um, Silver is the metal associated with the moon, and so there's there's like some madness and kind of an over um, abundance of glimmer and glitter. And Dora Mar famously like went mad, um, which we we used to call lunacy. Now we have like other things we we say about about it. But um, right. and you know maybe Picasso drove her mad. It's like unclear. He was certainly not like that nice. <laughs> to her by all counts but um but I think Jacques Lacan actually like treat I'm going on like such a tangent now sorry get into it. um but okay but Jacques Lacan I think treated her I'm pretty sure and she became like very religious as, oh. as a kind of counter potion to this madness or whatever she was experiencing and she said something like uh, something really great like after Picasso only God <laughs> Wow. And I know, right? <laughs> and then I think, um, as I heard it told anyway, I think Lacan said for for, for Dora Maher, it was either God or the straitjacket. Holy shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> really intense. Um but yeah, yeah, then she like painted. She went on to paint. I don't I don't know that she continued taking photographs, but there's like that aspect. So. Yeah, she went I mean, on to yeah, paint after lot- the fact. So she she left Picasso yeah. and became a painter herself. Yeah, yeah, I yeah she, I mean, I'm not I'm not sure if she also continued taking photos, but she definitely did like paint, um, kind of became a reclusive and I guess perhaps continued to be religious. I don't know, but uh, 
kind of interesting yeah. figure. Yeah, actually, I wasn't familiar with her. <laughs> um, so this is section five, uh, titled Edge. And this is from a poem called Love Mountain. No decor on purpose, charged by ambiance alone, glossed and salivating, moonlit dirt, I'm sick of speaking, a heavy metal machine-made thing, cluster of shrapnel that could break into me like you or you. Another violent machine. yeah this book is fucked up um yeah there's some so love mountain is another long poem like silver process i think of them kind of like twins or something um or at least they have they're sort of both set quote unquote in many places um like dream spaces but also this kind of post-industrial town in pennsylvania um france there's like hotels trains more more travel um animals changing into other animals so this is a a weird poem yeah that is about love ostensibly Mm -hmm. um but also the ways people break into each other Mm -hmm. and feeling a sort of darkness or heaviness around that um or kind of like a, a foreboding yeah, I think foreboding yeah and also potentially freedom or excitement I mean I think it's like a highly it's like kind of an ambivalent book in that it's like sort of talking about these moments of loss of self as potentially horrifying and also necessary if you're gonna be in relationship to anybody right or beautiful or you know lovely like some like sort of sunset being the uh cosmological or 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 whatever procedure uh, or training grounds for this kind of thing like when the sun disappears and merges with the horizon sure uh like both scary nightfall but also lovely and obviously necessary and love also comes up in the second line here from a poem called pile at the very bottom of the stomach i can love anyone the word isn't yet more more digestion um yeah yeah there's a lot of piles pile poems and confetti um yeah were you where did that title come from was that something that you came up with in connection to confetti itself or (laughs) (laughs) like the accumulation of things yeah, I, I certainly, certainly the pile, the, which I, occurs several times, the, and the pile poems are all like, I don't know, I guess we could say, I don't want to say essay, but you know, they're like prosy and there's, they're long yeah. um, and kind of ridiculously baroque or verbose or something. So there's like, a, I mean, I was, yeah, I was certainly thinking about um, confetti as obviously forming piles but also 
this running theme that we started with like lead or like something like primordial chaos um like this primal substance that's like right before language or the word sure um yeah yeah, I didn't even make that connection with like the longer poems being a pile of words. I like that. Um, so section six is titled Windsor, and this line is from a poem called Love. Uh, Solar love makes a string from my spleen to where you leave on repeats. Funny hearing all these lines out loud. Um, yeah. Is it tripping you off? Self-explanatory. <laughs> no, it's it's, fun. it's interesting. Um, yeah, it's like, I, I guess this one, solar love makes a string from my spleen to where you leave on repeat. I mean, it's uh, more, right now, the mode I'm in right now, it's making me think of, like, this sort of, Like it's like it's like automata, automata, or whatever. There's like some kind of automaticness to it, oh, or yeah. something. Yeah, like a pulley string. Yeah, thank you. That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I'm envisioning. Um, this this next line is one I really like even though I'm not sure I fully understand what you meant by it uh, but it's from a poem called Gold Spray Paints We become what we ash on We are what we just ashed on A new geometry commences Um Yeah there's a lot of sorry i'm just looking at what this poem looks like in the book yeah this is there's a lot of gold and things that imitate gold or whatever you know there's a lot of metals obviously silver and lead and gold and on and on and and things that might look like them or be images of them or be you know one thing coding another thing um so there's that there's that gold spray paint thing. And then um, also this idea of like, again, I mean, this is like, it's, I just like say it a million times in different ways, but like getting low, falling to the ground, transmuting ash and kind of what, what it falls on into something like geometry or something high out of like the lowest possible place or state like ash on the ground or something. So it's kind of, um, alchemical in that way as well but also um seven sections <clears throat> seven oh, there are seven um original planets and seven stages as some people tell it to the alchemical process was that something was you were thinking, thinking about um while you were writing or something that you thought about after the fact once you had had the pieces and started thinking about how you wanted to lay it out in the book? Mm. Good question. Apparently I was just like, um, <clears throat> not there when I was writing this book. Cause I was like, I'm like totally drawing blanks on these questions, but I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it was 
a little of both. It was certainly a little of both because um, obviously uh, I have certain interests and they kind of blended in confetti. I mean, there's a lot of like uh, planets and light and stuff as we've talked about. And also there's like mystics I talk about and philosophers. So it's sort of pulling from, I guess, quote unquote, high, high and low places yeah so I was became aware that I was doing that and there was this like transmutation process that may have been happening um but I think I mean I I just remember the um like process of breaking it into sections and deciding what was gonna go where was like fun but mostly hella like a bit hellish okay it was it was like because it felt like I was sorting through like this like just pile of material and I had no idea what to do yeah you're working through so much material at that point um yeah it's kind of a long book as far as poetry books go yeah it's a lot of work like it's yeah I mean it's, <laughs> it's something that that could have been split into two books. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you mean it's a lot of work reading it? <laughs> no, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of poetry. I mean, it's oh, it's a lot of poetry. It, like yeah. once, yeah. <laughs> Although well, it may be a lot of work reading it at, at some time, at some point. It does uh, demands like time and consideration, but I think I think that's what good poetry does anyway. Um, so yeah um the final section is also titled confetti and the first line i pulled here i pulled from a poem that i'm not sure has a title um i think it was just like sprawled across a, a page uh towards the end yeah it was one of oh, those yes. like yeah these, the, um, the texts are laid this out at is, the bottom of the page. Yeah, everything has fallen to the bottom. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess this is like untitled slash titled confetti. It's in like it's in the section titled confetti, so it's sort of both. Yeah. So this line reads: "Thin clairsentient zone of spoilage, glow voyager." screen heave faith and image mm-hmm. um really yeah, i really like screen kind of... heave <laughs> screen heave more resonates vomit yeah there's yeah. a lot of eat there's some eating and vomiting <laughs> in this in this book screen heave resonates yeah i mean there's also, let me just count, wait, one, two, three. Yeah, there's like 17 or so pages like this where all the text is like sort of all caps and at the bottom. Um, and I guess I was thinking about this as, um, I don't know why it was important to count, but it felt like, it like I needed to count. Um, as like a kind of metabolizing or something of what came before this is like the end of the book now and words kind of reappear here or I guess we could say get heaved up but kind of differently um sort of unscrewed from 
their or their original context or, or whatever. Um, so they're they feel kind of heavy, I guess. I was thinking of them as being heavy or filled with whatever they've been through. Mm-hmm. Um, and lying at the bottom of the page, or I guess we could say the stomach. Um, there's some like bitchy parts in this section as well. Yeah, where are those like, parts? Um, I just caught a bitchy part. Let's see. There's like. Um... <clears throat> near films and light breaks you creep and so there's that and then also something about hard candy and dudes there's so there's like some moments of like just phrases or someone speaking but then there's also potentially just uh words that we can make sense of if we want, or maybe they only make sense sort of in relation to how they're placed next to others next to other words on the page yeah i'm curious about solid theory dude hard candy <laughs> yeah that's a curious one yeah where is what page is that that's, on i was trying to find that oh yeah yeah Solid theory, dude, hard candy. Yeah, I mean, this is also, um, (laughs) this is also, seems to be in conversation, like, seems, I mean, who the hell knows, but there's, there's a lot, um, in this 17-page, whatever, whatever poem or, or whatever it is, about, um, like, it, there seems to be, like, a bit of rage or something. Or, like, it's almost not rage. Like, what do you call it? Like, sort of inoculation. Or there's some kind of, like, if we think about what heaving is, there's, like, getting rid of it, you uh, know? Yeah. Um, like, there's a it, there's that thing happening, I think, here. There's, like, okay, one last attempt at getting everything out. And I think that's part of what Confetti's dealing with. Like, this, there's so many screens in here. And so there's, like, an attempt to, like engage with this oversaturation in a way that's all like somewhat inoculatory it's not like attempting to be pure of it or something or comment upon it but like going into it and eating it or or looking at it yeah and the the second line here is from a poem called lead and it reads, wrap a film around a dense air, then place it in a heavy metal canister to yellow. Send it there. Yeah. You, you froze. Did oh, you really? say something? Am I? Oh, now you're... Wait, now you might be better. Okay, did you say something? No, I I was trying to remember why I picked this one. This is like near the end. It's, yeah. but not total. Uh, yeah, it's like getting near the end. I don't know, maybe to bring it back to lead or something because we started with lead. I think I was more, I think I was curious about the last line, send it there. Mm. Yeah. Um, this one seems to be calling back to, um, t- 
to the in some ways to honey and tea because not only because of the lead thing because yeah send it there and there's like um a wrapping like wrapping a film and there's also in that first poem or sequence of poems stuff about um wrapping wrapping a body like sort of wrapping and and sending sending um sending someone or something to a place of rest Mm. so there's like there's like a that's happening in both in both of these areas I think there's like a sense of okay do the thing and so that we can rest or find the moment of sunset or like breathe or whatever yeah like like some ritual of finality something to signal the end yeah exactly which we're totally missing now right in my opinion (laughs) you're you're saying missing now in like in in our so-called modern world or whatever (laughs) wait can you talk about that a little bit oh yeah I, i mean um well we used i think there was a sense one you know there there was once a sense of like ritual or um time having beginnings and endings like we thought like that sort of meaning or whatever around something like a holiday or a feast or a fast or even like sunrise and sunset being like the og beginning and end yeah um but now there's a way that we experience time differently or I guess we could say like secularized or uh, like the sacred being stripped from it so it can feel very like just a series of seconds as opposed to okay something starting and some some things ending so um I guess I guess that's what I mean (laughs) yeah yeah no I that that makes complete sense to me I agree there's a lot of utility in those ritualistic markers in time um and yeah and we also don't have oh sorry go ahead no no you go ahead please oh well i guess um in terms of like confetti or celebration or this idea of like an in-between time or a time that's like not for something that's just for like excess or play we can't really know that time unless we know um what you know these rituals of beginnings or endings like now it's like work and play and all this shit or networking and friendship all this stuff tend to be collapsed into one thing yeah um for better or worse so I think confetti was partly maybe me trying to figure out my relationship to that stuff in a rather weird but at times bonkers way I I really like that. Um, well, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Um, thank you for having me and yeah. for your amazing questions. Thank you. And, and for like your reading of Confetti, your very brilliant reading of the book. I, I feel really <laughs> grateful. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I, I didn't practice those readings at all. So when it actually came to time to do it, it felt... Uh, like more performative than I was expecting, but um, thanks for for bearing with me. Uh, And now Emily herself is going to do a reading 
from Confetti, and she will be reading a poem titled Silver Process. A past fastens onto metal mouths as the sky tilts, as a raccoon runs across the road, which my friend lovingly points out before departing for a long-standing appointment with our dealer. Hair dyed propitiously blonde, atmospheric chemical glint under cardboard stars, speak machine. Timed metallic hiss of buses near cluster of orange trees, lukewarm coffee and floating eyes partially divulge this thin glimmer for G. G for God's left hand, gold, Guernica, Picasso, piss yellow search for the miraculous bend in sky. Hello? A crustacean leaps from salt water, drips brine into the remainder. Dora Mars silver process, scratched halo and arched hallway seashell with mannequin hand wisp of grass unclasped between pennsylvania wind and handkerchief in france where starved moon is a head whose temple beats against the bottom of the parking lot light the moth knocks over the sea in fragmented search for miraculous oblong bodies of painted air Dora Mars, miniature chair. Hello. On the train to Marseille, I recall my winter spent stretching and priming canvases with gesso in the freezing studio as you worked twice as fast and better. All surfaces glimmered until none until I was one. I sit beside a skinny man and move through a report on the progression of Guernica photographs taken by Dora Marr. 3.5 sets of eyes on dirt, scratched mirror negatives and silver grain reversed. And eventually she says, it's like you can only breathe the air of Picasso's studio. Have you been there? Staple the canvas to eyeshadow mountain as me and air inspissate chemical smell and pearl eye I roll across the floor. Steel train shakes last night's lozenge stuck to mirrored bedside table near the muscular slab of paint and small change linoleum floor. Here comes the metal bird. Inside the silver airplane, the man next to me speaks to the woman next to him in order to noise our great height. His cigarette makes a cloud lined with paint once caked, indecipherable photonegative. Indecipherable photonegative held up to the light to mutate. Compared to the steel mill, I'm lopsided and young. I address you near the furnaces with invisible debris of smelting ore, settling clemently for decades as summer skunks prowl Mechanic Street. 
photo of you cutting wood with a table saw slides into a crack I cannot see from here. You congeal into delusion, an image smeared across the air set to suck us. That's not a road. It's many silver sequins. That's not a steel mill. It's silver salt suspended in gelatin. The chemist sits on a bare blue mattress we found in the trash near the dissolving gate paints five of his fingernails silver, so when he plays music, five moons move. That's not a gloss damask mattress. It's a velvet curtain with sewn stars. The neighbor invites me into his bed, my star head almost vivified. Silver tears in your eyes, you say, I think there is a window. Again, you speak, framing that certain time of day. You continue.